Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week we began this series that's going to lead us into Easter. And each week of this series we are beginning with the end in mind. And and then we will go back to see how we got to that ending. Last week we began with Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Where Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. We went back to the beginning of the ministry of Christ, three years before his death, and we focused on John 2 and 19, where Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And I told you that the number three throughout scripture, it represents perfection. And and on day one, we know that Jesus was crucified. We know that on day three, he was resurrected. But on day two, what happened on day two was as significant because he went back and he took the keys of death and Hades, providing freedom for all of those Old Testament saints that you've been so worried about that had died before Christ, we found out how they will get to experience heaven if Jesus is truly the only way to get to the Father, the only way to get to heaven, to to eternal life. Then then we figured that out. And, and, And what happened with those three days is it perfected salvation for all. It perfected salvation for all. Don't forget this. He who began a good work in you will perfect it. Amen? Oh, you're going to sleep on me now. I said, amen? Amen. Amen. One of my favorite parts of the movie, Forrest Gump, is the beginning and the end. And and, and let me tell you why this is so important to me, because the opening scene starts with this white feather that is floating down through the air. Anybody remember this? And it lands, after after kind of floating through the, the little town there a little bit, it lands between the muddy tennis shoes of Forrest Gump as he is on a, a bench waiting on the bus in, in, in Savannah, Georgia. And so you just see the, the, the feather just float down, land between his shoes. He, he then bends over, he picks it up, and he opens his suitcase. Inside of his suitcase is a book. It's, it's Curious George. And he puts the feather inside of the book, shuts his suitcase, and the movie begins. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay? If you haven't seen the movie, you've had plenty of time. Okay? (laughs) Towards the end of the movie, Forrest is... You better close your ears if you haven't seen the movie. Okay? If if, if Forrest is standing over Jenna's grave, and and he says these words uh, in this monologue. He says, I don't know if we each have a destiny... Or if we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze, but I think maybe it's both. Maybe both are happening at the same time. And then the last scene of the movie shows Forrest and Little Forrest waiting on the school bus. At the end of the driveway of their house, they're sitting there waiting on the school bus. And and Big Forrest looks down into the book bag of Little Forrest and he sees a book. And he recognizes the book and he pulls it out. Many years later, he pulls the book out. And it's Curious George. And he tells him, he said, this is one of my favorite books. And without knowing, he opens the book and the feather falls out and it lands between his shoes. After little Forrest gets onto the bus and begins to to go to school, the wind blows, it picks up the feather, and it floats up into the sky, thus giving us the end of the movie. Who doesn't like a good story that comes full circle, right? Right? That creative writing, I love that. 
You gotta love those similar bookends on how they frame the story. In Revelation 22 and 13, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Get this now, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I think it's only appropriate that he would emphasize it three times, perfecting it, right? I am the Alpha and the Omega. In case you didn't get it, I'm the first and the last. Maybe you still haven't gotten it yet. I I am the beginning and I am the end. He was echoing what the prophet Isaiah had said hundreds of years earlier and said it numerous times that he was the first and he was the last. And so there's today's spoiler. If you're looking for it, I just gave it to you. That, that is what we're focusing on today, that Jesus is the first and the last. He is the beginning and he is the end. And it would benefit us today to understand what Jesus was speaking over us. What is he actually saying when he says, I am the Alpha and the, the Omega? I'm the first and last. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. Now, for most of us in the room, the only thing that we know about Greek letters are that they are used to name fraternities and sororities. Anybody in the room, were you ever a part, just by a show of hands, of of a fraternity or sorority? Raise your hand. I want to see. Oh, you party animals. Wow. So we we name our, our fraternities, sororities, things like this. Delta Chi, or, or maybe Alpha Delta Pi, or my favorite, Lambda Lambda Lambda. <laughs> All the kids in the room are like, what's so funny about that? <laughs> Trilams, yeah. Revenge of the nerds, yes. <laughs> At the Christian university where my daughter attends, they don't have sororities or fraternities. And I know some of you that follow her on social media, you're, you're kind of shocked by this because you're like, everything I see is, you know, DZT. That's all we see, DZT. I don't even know if I'm allowed to do that or not. I'm not in, but I did it, right? And, and so they're not allowed to have fraternities and sororities at, at Lee University. They, they have what they call Greek clubs. And I guess this keeps them holy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But they have Greek clubs, and, and Kendall is a, is a member of DZT, Delta Zeta Tau. And so um, surely, surely there has to be more to Greek letters than just fraternities and sororities, right? I mean, there has to be so much more. And so today I want to kind of educate us on this, and and it gets a little deep, but I promise you, if you'll just stay with me, we'll get to the end of this, and and hopefully, if it makes sense to you the way it makes sense to me, then we're going to walk out of here in better shape than the way that we walked in. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Greek alphabet is over 2,500 years old. It originally was all capital letters, and and then later they came back and decided they needed lowercase letters also. And although Aramaic was the primary language of first century Jews, Greek was the most commonly used language during the time of Christ. And so if you wanted to reach the known world with your writings, if you wanted to spread information, if you wanted to spread the gospel, then you must write it in the most common language. And that's why the New Testament of your Bible was originally authored 
and Greek. Your Old Testament was Hebrew. The New Testament is Greek. In John chapter 19, we read where Pilate had a sign prepared and, and hung above Christ on the cross. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And just to drive the point home, the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. There's that number three again. It just keeps popping up, right? I'm not even preaching on that today, but there it is. And so just to make sure that everybody got it, it was in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The Greek alphabet is made up of 24 letters, and we actually get our word alphabet from the first two letters, alpha and beta, alphabet. So the first Greek letter is alpha. The last Greek letter is omega. And so the term alpha and omega is like saying A to Z. I've got this covered A to Z. Jesus, when he said, I am the alpha, I am the omega, he said, I've got this thing handled all the way from A to Z. Don't you worry about it. I've got it covered from A to Z and everything in between. On October the 17th, 1997, Caleb and Kendall, our twins, were born at North Florida Regional Hospital. For those of you that know my daughter, it will not surprise you that Kendall came out making noise. It's just how she was born. Just came out crying and, and um, the rest is history. And Caleb, on the other hand, when Caleb was born, he, he was not breathing. And Kendall was born first, and so we heard her cry, and, and, and then Caleb was born, and, and he, he's, he's not making a sound. I looked at him, and, and the poor kid was blue. And Mandy immediately got worried, and I just kind of laid across her where she couldn't see anything. And I flat out lied to my wife that day. She said, is he okay? I said, he's fine, he's fine. Let's just concentrate on you. And I'm not, I, I didn't know if, if he was alive or not. Thankfully, after they sucked some stuff out and started pushing air into his lungs, the kids started breathing, and, and, and finally um, uh, they, they said, Every, everything's okay. We're going to watch him, but everything's okay. He is now breathing on his own. It was a scary moment for us, especially when the first child was born and you, you hear that cry. And so now you know what to expect. And the second child doesn't cry. And, and after I thought about it some, I, I thought that I, I figured out what happened, that after being stuck in the womb for 37 weeks with his sister, <laughs> I think that Caleb was just simply enjoying the silence for a few moments and holding his breath that it would last. She came out crying and hasn't stopped talking since. And I can assure you that to this day, if you get in an argument with Kendall, Kendall will have the last word. When it comes to talking, she is usually the alpha and the omega of the conversation. God had the first word in the beginning. Let there be light. He had the first word, and I can assure you of this. He will have the last word in the end, too, because it's at the name of Jesus Christ that every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. 
And so in the end, he is going to have the last word. He will, in this conversation of life, he will be the alpha and he will be the omega. He will be the first and the last. He will be the beginning and the end. So embedded between these letters of alpha, A, and omega, Z, are all of the necessary letters to create a word. Every letter that you need to create a word is between alpha and omega. It's much like our alphabet. You take their letters and you, you arrange and you rearrange and you assemble certain letters together. And when you do, it creates words. It's like I and T is it. It's, some of you are like, is this a trick question? <laughs> it's okay. Just stay with me. I and T is That's right. What about T-H-I-S? Spells? You assemble these letters. T-H-A-T. Good crowd. The letters are used to create words. And, and so now, now, with all of that in mind, I want you to listen to how John describes Jesus. Now, before I do... I need you to understand that each gospel writer played a different role in telling about the life of Jesus Christ. They each had a, a, had a purpose in the way that they were writing. So we know this. We know that Matthew wrote as a teacher appealing to the Jews. He had to sell them that, that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And so he was educating them. Mark wrote as a preacher appealing to the Romans. We know that, that Luke wrote as a historian appealing to the Greeks. But John, John is different. John writes as a theologian appealing to the universal mind. He is reaching many with this. That anyone who reads the book of John, he wants them to understand who Jesus is. And so he doesn't start with the birth. No, you can go over to Matthew or, or Luke and you can read about the birth of Jesus. When, when you go to, to John chapter 1, and if you will, go ahead and turn there with me to John chapter 1. John goes back before time. John goes back and, and he begins emphasizing to us the deity of Christ. Matthew emphasized the sermons of Christ. Mark emphasized the miracles of Christ. Luke emphasized the parables of Christ. But John emphasizes the doctrine of Christ. And so John gets deep and he gets deep quick. Right off the bat, man, he just, he's like, here it is. I hope you get it. I hope you understand it. And, and so I just want to read a few of these verses and leave your Bibles open because we're going to go back to this in just a moment. But, but listen to John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Listen how deep this is. This is theologically deep. He says, in the beginning was the Word, capitalized W, Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And you're just like, what? What does this mean? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now there's some more very confusing verses there. We're going to just jump down to verse 14 really quick and listen to what he says. He says, and the Word, capitalized W again, he's talking about something very specific, the Word. This is someone that is very specific. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so if you haven't picked up on it yet, Jesus is the Word. That capitalized W, capitalized Word, Jesus is the Word that John is talking about in chapter 1. But Jesus isn't just the Word. Jesus is all the words. Jesus is all of the words. In this, this is the living, breathing Word of God. And it is Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. I don't have time to show you all of that today. Research it if you want to. Set up an appointment. Come to my office. We'll look at it all together if you want to. But from Genesis to Revelation, in every book of the Bible, you will find Jesus. You may not find him by name, but he is there. He is there in prophecy. He is there in type. He is there in foreshadowing. You find Jesus in every book of the Bible. He is not the word. He is the word every word and we watch this played out after the crucifixion of Jesus on the very day of his resurrection so last week we had him in the grave fighting for the keys now we've got him out of the grave on the day of his resurrection I want you to turn back one page just one page I want you to go to Luke 24 Luke 24 and I want you to listen to this encounter that two of his, his followers, two of his students, the students of this rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth, listen to the, the conversation that takes place on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, starting at verse 13. That very day, that being the day of his resurrection, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So they're talking about everything that's just happened in Jerusalem, about the crucifixion of Jesus. They're talking about all these things. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? And, and they don't recognize him. They still don't know. They listen to his voice and they don't recognize the voice. They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, he's, he's saying, Mister, has your head been in the sand? Everybody knows what's happened. This was a public spectacle. Everyone knows that they crucified a man. It was a trial. It was a big deal. People were, were gathered around saying, crucify him, crucify him. Didn't you hear them shouting, crucify him? And he said to them, what things? I love how God plays dumb sometimes. He said, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and were before God and all the people. I love how they describe him here and their, and their lack of faith right now in this moment. They describe him as, as a prophet. 
You know, there's some other religions on this planet that will describe him as a prophet, right? He is the son of God. Jesus was so much more than a prophet. He is God. And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, were before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, and there's a problem right there, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. They don't say it right here, but you know what they're thinking. He said, in three days... He will rebuild the temple in three days. He's coming up out of that grave. And this is the third day. So besides all that, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Listen to what he says. He says, you're so slow to believe the Old Testament prophecies, the things that have been said about the Messiah. If you'll just put two and two together, you'll get your answer here. But you're just foolish. You're, you're slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now listen, here, here's the great part right here. Verse 27, this becomes one of the most challenging small group activities that you've ever seen. If you've ever been a part of a small group and, and there's this distraction in that home or, or in that classroom where you're at, think about this. You're walking and talking at the same time. In verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Starting with Moses and all the prophets, he begins expounding upon all of the verses of the things that refer to him. For seven miles, this man, that they do not know, by the way, <clears throat> they do not recognize that it's Jesus. <clears throat> he starts at the beginning with Moses. Now, what you have to understand is that Moses wrote the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the books of Moses. And so starting with Genesis, he begins at the very beginning, the first, the alpha, beginning with the books of Moses. Starts with the law, he continues through the historical books then from the books of poetry and wisdom, then he goes to the major prophets, then he goes to the minor prophets. He covers the entire Old Testament. And every verse that talks about him, not by name, but as Messiah, he shares the details of this. 
He takes them through every book of the Old Testament and testifies of all these things. One commentary that I read said that there are over 22,000 references to the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus fulfilled at least 300 of them with his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. That it's plain as day that over 300 of those prophecies, maybe those are the ones that he focused on for that seven-mile Bible study. Maybe that's what he talked about. But for seven miles, he expounds upon these verses. The Word, Jesus. The Word was using, excuse me, the Word was using his words to explain the Word of God to these blind believers. Can you be a believer and still not see God in the middle of your trouble? They had crucified their rabbi, they have crucified their boss. And they still can't see that he's walking right there with them. They don't see it. But listen to what happens in verse 28. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he was going to go farther. You ever had that happen in your life? You're in the middle of the darkest moment. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're like, God, where are you going? God just acts like, I'm just going to leave you right here in the middle of your despair, and I'm just going to keep walking. All he's waiting for is just an invitation. Just, God, come step into my trouble just for a moment. And, and you know what? He always does. He acts like he's going to keep walking. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went, he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Finally, finally, they start eating and they recognize that this is Jesus and he vanished from their sight. He's gone. They recognized that was him. That was our rabbi. And I love what they said. Verse 32 says, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures to us? Here's what happens in the middle of your trial. When you're going through the hardest time in your life and you show up for church and whoever's preaching or whoever's singing, they start singing the word of God and preaching the word of God. And it's in this moment right here where you find hope. Didn't our hearts burn within us while he was talking about the things concerning himself? When you start hearing and understanding God's word, it starts changing your perspective because now all of a sudden you do have your eyes on Christ and not the problems around you. Some of you, you're not going to understand what I'm saying until you go to lunch today. They didn't get it until he broke bread and ate with them. (laughs) Today at the lunch table, it's going to click. You're looking at me right now like a deer in the headlights, but you're going to be sitting at lunch today and all of a sudden you get a little bit of food in your stomach and and, and everything's going to become more clear and you're going to say, oh, I know what pastor was talking about now. I get it. Jesus explained to them. Starting with Moses, with the book of Genesis, I was there from the beginning. I'm there throughout the entire Old Testament. We understand this. It doesn't stop there. The New Testament starts with his birth. Time itself changed with the birth of Jesus Christ. And we know 
that he will also be the omega, the alpha and the omega. Now, now, now here's where I want to bring all this back because that was a great theological lesson, wasn't it? Let, let, me, let me just give this to you and just make it on layman terms right now so that all of us can understand it because I'm not even sure if I understood everything I just said, okay? Many words can be created using all of the letters from the first letter to the last letter. If it's a word, you can create it. Because between A and Z are all of the other letters, and you use them to create words, then words create sentences. Sentences create paragraphs. Paragraphs create stories. And your story creates a testimony. When he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and I am the last. He was laying claim to everything in between. He's going to make sure that he dots every I. He will cross every T. Because Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't know about you, but if anybody is going to write my faith, if anyone is going to be the author of my life, I want it to be the one that said I am the first letter, I'm the last letter, and I've got it all covered in between. I'll create that testimony out of your life. That's the God that we serve. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.